RCAF Jump Seat, you are clear for takeoff. RCAF Jump Seat, the official podcast of the Royal Canadian Air Force. Today in the Jump Seat, Lieutenant Colonel Phil Damaris. Now your host, Major Travis Lethbridge and Captain Matthew Remy. All right, all you listeners out there, welcome to RCF Jump Seat. I'm Major Travis Big Cat Lethbridge, and with me is our co-host, Captain Matthew Remy, a.k.a. Handsome Cat. Hey, glad to be here. We've got a special guest today. It's Lieutenant Colonel Phil Damaris. He's a space guy who's currently in his last 29 hours of running the Combat Ops Division of the KOC. Sir, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. All right. So we're going to jump right into it. It is called Jump Seat after all. I've worked for you. A lot of guys have worked for you as a Lieutenant Colonel. Your first tour, I think, as Lieutenant Colonel in the yeah, Kayhawk. it was, yeah. I'm quite curious. How long did it take you, once you entered the Kayhawk, to feel comfortable and uh, confident in your position to do to do the work? That's a good question because there are, there are different aspects to the job that uh, that I'm not sure I am currently comfortable with. Um, and some things you had no choice, uh, but to be comfortable with, you know, or find comfort in, you know, very quickly in my role as a, as a supervisor, as the, the combat ops div chief sort of responsible for the, the people, the, that, uh, that form that division of the chaos and that work, the shifts, uh, in the, on the, on the watch floor, that was, I, it didn't take me too long to be sort of comfortable in that, in that role as the, as the supervisor. But I'm, you know, I'm still, after two years, I'm still not satisfied personally with where, with what I was able to do uh, and how much I, versus how much I wanted to get done. Um, because the other part that makes you uncomfortable is the continuous pace of operations uh, and the, the dynamic nature of everything that we do there. So you, there's always, uh, you're, you're juggling flaming chainsaws with, uh, you know, flaming squirrels running around. Uh, and you're trying to put it all out at the same time while not drop anything. Um, so it, it, that's, that's a challenging uh, work environment for sure. Um, but like I was saying, uh, it's, you know, that what you get done, uh, as a result of the, the effort of the team and the, and the results of what you do, you see the impact right away. So there, there I mean, the, you, you don't ever fully get comfortable with it, which I think is okay. Uh, if you're, if you're comfortable, then you start to, you, know, you start to maybe not do things or you always want to. I, I think I always want to keep moving forward, keep improving uh, either yourself or what you or finding ways uh, within your work area to, to keep, uh, to keep making it better. Um, so I think being, you know, not being fully comfortable allows you to keep doing that. Nobody, nobody should be super comfortable with <laughs> doing any job in, <laughs> in the chaos because it really is, is, uh, it challenges you in ways that are sort of unique to working in that uh, environment. For people who don't know including myself, what do you do exactly in the K-Hawk? What is your position's role in, in the K-Hawk? So what, what, is, what is it you say you do here uh, kind of kind of question? It is unfortunately a little bit of a, an enigma still across the, across the Air Force, but it is the, it's sort of the, the nerve center of command and control for, for Air Force. Uh, and that's where the, the, the AOC comes in as the first line of, uh, of contact. Air Ops Center, which uh, which is made up of the people that are the Combat Ops Division, which was the section I was in charge of for the last two years. There's also very specific operational qualifications that I had uh, and that folks have in the AOC. You know, as a you know Chief Current Ops, as a, as a CCO, 
uh, working with the duty team and involved in the Operation Noble Legal Mission with very specific functions, very specific roles, you know, defending Canada that way, uh, Northern Sovereignty Operations, uh, you know, uh, JFAC authorities, you know, helping folks do, do the job around the world. So that was another sort of aspect to the job that was, that was really, uh, was really unique, uh, and, and super, super fun because, uh, you know, typically in air operations, like within our core trades, you know, controller, AXO pilot, uh, you, the higher in rank you go, the more removed from operations you are and you just need to be there to make decisions. So it's, it's fun in that you get to still be, if you're an operator at heart, uh, then you still get to play in operations when you have a job, uh, in the chaos, in that role as a, as a CCO. Um, so it, it was a, it was a multifaceted job, which I, which I liked. Did you, in, in your time over there, did you have any particular mission that was significant for you in, in a way, or that marked you in a way? Figuratively the first five minutes in the new job, it might've been the first week, uh, it was, you know, July, two years ago, uh, almost like, you know, probably exactly two years ago, you know, to the week was, uh, you know, as has happened already this year, we have an Oplentis uh, mission happen for, you know, uh, force fire evacuation. Uh, we've had a lot of those and those have always been super, uh, super challenging, but, uh, you know, again, very rewarding to know that you're involved you know, on as part of the bigger team that is, you know, helping save, uh, Canadians lives. So that's pretty awesome. My job is the, the combat ops div chief was less, uh, hands-on the operation. Uh, it was more, that was more focused on the people. Uh, but as if you happen to be the, uh, the holding the duty of the CCO for the week, and then things and something happens to go on and then you get to sort of drop everything and play in that in that mission and there were a few times where i got to be involved with uh you know northern sovereignty operations uh which was which is also pretty cool if you're not sure what those are check out the uh at rcf operations on twitter uh folks there uh do a great job of uh you know showing us what we do and that's one thing that i've I go back to, to, to actually see what we do is to go to that Twitter feed to see, you know, cause working in a, in an ops room, uh, you know, surrounded by screens, you don't necessarily get to see the, the tangible output of what you've done. So I, I, I try to bring it full circle by going back to that and saying, okay, wow, that was actually what happened, you know, over the North pole uh, in the middle of the night or happened, you know, in a remote part of the country where we were, you know, we coordinated and authorized an auxiliary SAR mission to save someone's life. Um, so, you know, those are the kinds of things that, you know, are yeah, as soon as that happens and you make a decision, you're on to the next thing. You don't get to see the thing fully to, to its uh, conclusion. So uh, the conclusive piece to that a lot of times is what we can see on our own RCF operations Twitter feed. So I, I use that as a, as a tool to kind of remind myself what we, what we do and why it's important. And, you know, at the end of two years, uh, reflecting on the things that have happened, we, uh, one of the, uh, departure gifts we gave to our, our, our departing, uh, deputy commander of Canar, uh, and deputy JFAC was a, a, a collage of all of, of a photo of, of photos of all of the things that we've done over the last two years. And I, it was the same two years that I was here. So I was, as I'm signing the frame, I'm looking at these pictures and it's like, holy smokes, we've done some pretty wild things from, you know, the, I mean, one of the more significant things, uh, recently, um, was the, was our, our high altitude balloon, uh, and unidentified phenomenon, uh, operations, which was just absolutely wild to be a part of, you know, uh, and, uh, and such a, 
truly, you know, binational operation. And I've, I've been a, you know, card carrying member of NORAD my entire career. So it was, uh, it was really cool to be a part of that in a really challenging time. Um, but it was, uh, that was definitely noteworthy, uh, in my, uh, in, uh, along in my time here in, uh, in the, in the chaos for sure. It's interesting to me, here you are a brand new lieutenant colonel when you first got to the Kayak, although it's been a couple of years now, seemed like a seasoned vet. And consistently, every single person who's gone through your unit says you're an incredible boss. Well, our producer right now, he's, he's looking through the glass and he's got a big sign on it that says, ask him what he's about. So what what are you about? <laughs> what What is Mr. Phil Damaris, Lieutenant Colonel Phil Damaris, what are you actually about? What do you bring to the table? So the... In addition, I guess, or separate from just the job piece, uh, what I, how I went into the job uh, is just to try and be a, a, almost a student of it all, a student of air power, of how we do business in the Air Force, a student of leadership, a student of all of the things that are you know, a part of what makes, uh, makes us tick as an organization is trying to keep learning. So I think... Uh, and that was probably one of the turning points, I think, in, in as far as growth was at some point I, there was a, a switch that flipped in my, in my brain where I just really wanted to learn more. And I just, so then I, I just got really curious about a lot of, a lot of different things and kind of adopted a more, you know, student-based approach to, to that. Um, uh, and then that allowed me, I think, to grow, uh, and then to adopt new, new, new things. So, uh, I mean, I'm about about the people really like the time is one of the only things that I, I can actually give someone. We can't give financial incentives. We can't give bonuses. We can't do a lot of things that you may try and find, you know, uh, comparative things to in the private sector, for example. But uh, one of the only things I can give someone is, is my time. Your time. I try and do that as much as I can, because especially in the job, the, one of the challenges of being a, in a leadership position and where in the current job is the, the, the limited contact time you have with people, the, as a supervisor, as a uh, folks who are on shift work, you uh, that work a busy, you know, the, the pace is, is high and our, 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 our days just don't line up. So the amount of interaction you have with folks to be able to talk to them about stuff, to be able to develop a relationship with your people, people in your organization is very limited. So whenever someone would want to chat, I would chat. That was just really important to me to to get through to the humanity of it all, instead of it just being about the COD chief, the SOTO, the CCO, the SOTO tech, the DWO, uh, and to just get to know people on a human level and to see them uh, as people, so. That sounds like a bit of a, in my limited experience, 20 years in, it's a bit different of a cultural approach or leadership approach than what I saw 20 years ago. Do you, do you think that's true? Or do, you, do you think that's sort of new, this, this idea of looking at people first? I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a new idea. Maybe it's not been previously emphasized as much in military leadership conversations. At this point in my career, any military course that I've been on has not taught me that. Like I've learned it from other leaders uh, who inherently had that. I've, I had a bit of that, I think, on my own. You learn it from your, your, your family your, uh, or whatever your lived experiences. You pick up bits and pieces of that and you take that forward with you. And, that, and it ends up informing your leadership approach. It seems to me there's a bit of a shift, definitely a push for cultural evolution, cultural improvement, if you want to call it. What's your part in that? How are you promoting that as a senior officer? Yeah, that, I, I agree. There's a, the shift, uh, the evolution is happening and I, I like to be a positive disruptor 
as I go about my my business, right? As I as I find my role in the unit or in the in my position uh, within where I can influence. So within my sphere of influence, I've taken uh, I really took the the culture evolution to heart, and I think it's super important. And just me as Phil, I think that's really important. But then you know if you overlay the my institutional identity of a lieutenant colonel on that then that means something in the in the institution so it, by me doing that as a light colonel it turns out that that actually uh, can make a difference so i i want to be able to use my uh i guess position in the organization at this point which is a really unique position to be in it's you kind of get just an ordinary guy kind of where you but you have some extraordinary opportunities to to make some real change. And that's the, that's one of the exciting things about being at this rank, because you still have the ability to be, you know, connected with people and to develop and, and affect a large number of people uh, in either a positive or negative way, but you actually have the authority to make the decisions and to enact the change that you see that needs to happen. You can make change at, at that rank level, you think? Yeah, you can. Starting. So I've done that very specifically in the last couple of years through the outward mindset training that we've implemented through the headquarters. It was introduced to us by our previous Deputy Commander Canar uh, as a as one of the tools that is available to us to increase collaboration, to put yourself at the center of perhaps solving issues uh, in the workplace. Great self-reflection tools, all of these things that a lot of things that we talk about that are talked about in, uh, in Trusted to Serve now um, actually can be supported by some of the, the these workshops that we were that we've been able to implement and we're going to continue to do that across the headquarters. When you have teams that operate, uh, you know, as a team of teams, a systems approach sort of thing, we found it to be super useful to increase collaboration and to focus on the needs of the folks that we're supporting uh, as a KAOC. The KAOC's not there to, to serve itself. It's there to support everybody who's doing our, our business uh, downrange. So whether that's in the country or out of the country. So we're, we're, uh, we're focused on that uh, right now as we, as we leave, as I leave rather. But uh, that's one of the ways that I've tried to use my, use my position, use my, my own sort of uh, importance or the, the importance I place on that uh, with right. my position to be able to you know, affect some change. I love it. It, it sounds almost like, um, so I see in the news sort of a, a top-down approach to culture change. You seem to be focusing on the individual. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a place for both. I don't know that we can meaningfully... Uh, and quickly, uh, relatively quickly, you know, shift our, evolve our culture if we don't also take action at the, at the you know, the person to person, human to human level. We obviously have to have the, the higher level pieces in place as well, but that's not going to affect necessarily or in, in urgently the, the people in, in the units at, at a human level. We also have to take, take action and we need to take steps to, to evolve the culture. I see that too. I see positive change right now? I really do. Do you think we're going to succeed? And if we are, there's a lot of challenges. How are we going to overcome all those challenges out there? I think we will succeed. I mean, not, not, not facetiously at all. Like when I read Trusted to Serve, that actually sounded like an organization that I wanted to be a part of. And I, and I was really happy to see that we have a sort of a capstone document in the CAF now that is relatable, that is actionable, it's almost a, a call to action for self-improvement among other things, but we can't just sit on our hands and, and expect that what got us here will get us there. Some of the places where we've gotten to, we want to, we don't want to get there again. So we have to do things differently. And if you actually, you know, when you go through the pieces entrusted to serve, it's a call to call to action for anybody in a leadership role to just do stuff, like do things to, to make it better, do things to improve character and competence. And it actually gives you the, 
what that means. It's not, you don't have to figure it out on your own. It, it gives you uh, the breakdown of what that is. So after reading it, I, I, I thought, okay, well, this is a bit of a, you can actually use this as a roadmap of cultural evolution and you can, whatever that means to you in your specific area, you know, we have tons of, tons of subcultures within the CAF and for good reason, uh, everybody has a slightly different piece of the pie and, and ways that we, we, the jobs that we do in the military. So it's not going to be the same for everyone. Uh, and, and I found that, that you, you, that, that you do have that latitude within the, the, the higher level, uh, you know, it's still specific, but high level document that you can still apply that, uh, to your specific area. So, uh, I, and, and one of the things in it is to, you know, for finding ways to talk about it. So it's a leadership responsibility to make this accessible to everyone so that we eventually start operating through the lens of this aspirational organization that trusted to serve describes and that the way that organization is described, even if it didn't say, you know, Canadian Armed Forces at the top of it in, in the document, even if I wasn't sitting here in uniform right now, that would be an organization that I would uh, want to be a part of. I agree. I think it's well-written. I think it has more depth than and is initially obvious to it. I yeah. think it's a great start. So would you recommend the CAF to your children? Do you think it's a great environment right now, culturally? Is that where you want it to be? You said a lot of things there. I did. Um, I chained them together. <laughs> it's. It, it. I don't think it is where we wanted to be, or we wouldn't talk. We wouldn't be talking about cultural evolution. It is still an organization that I would recommend to young people, uh, and or, or my even my kids. A lot of the the hangups are probably more with the the senior folks mm. than they are with the younger folks. Uh, I, I one of the areas I feel I need to get smarter on is the cross generational leadership aspect. As I become more senior in age and rank, you know, we're talking about a twenty year. 20 plus year gap now between folks that are, you know, traditionally joining the military at, at a high school or at a university. And now you know, we're 20 plus years between me and them. So, and luckily I have, you know, 19 and 17 and 12 year old kids. So I, I, I'm a little bit connected, but it's always different when it's your kids. So I, I feel like I need to break down my own preconceived notions or unconscious biases about that. The generational differences between who's, who's joining the CAF nowadays Who's going to, who wants to be in the Air Force? You know, anecdotally, there uh, over Canada Day long weekend, we had the RCF attractions team out at Halifax doing great work. You know, hour and a half lineup out the at the wow. booth to, to to you know check out the simulator to talk to folks that are our folks that were out there. So yeah, so there's people are excited about it, um, but I I would really be uh, keen to to know what you know what are they seeing in the calf that you know that they're excited about. It's important to know that. What's the best thing about being in the RCF for you? It's, it's being in service of something. So that allows you to go into a job knowing that you're contributing to a bigger cause, to a higher cause, and that you can leave it uh, in, a, in a, perhaps a slightly better place uh, than you found it. And then the next person is going to do the same and is always going to continue to evolve. So just due to the nature of how we, how we do things and our, you know, the way we get posted and all that, there's there's an evolution that's sort of baked into how we how we do things. So I think that's that's exciting. That's 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 fun to be a part of. I love it. Yeah, for me, I would say this mission first people always paradigm. This talk, the mission does come first, but I think the mission isn't necessarily the task at hand. It, it's this greater sense of service. I think most people in the CAF want to be part of something bigger than themselves. That even if it's clumsy, sometimes it's dedicated to doing good. Yeah, and I, I see high quality people in the RCF, especially, uh, and uh, all the other elements that I've been involved with. But 
I think personally that um, it's the people that make this institution so great. RCAF Jump C. I was I was just wondering because I've I personally had some face to face with some older individuals regarding just as you mentioned uh, all the new air eggs and mm-hmm. stuff like that and they would just keep going on this is ridiculous this is unacceptable and uh, this is not a force I want to be part of and mm-hmm. uh, honestly as and that happened when I was just like uh, I just got promoted to to LT and. I was still kind of, you know, a little bit afraid of the higher ranks. And uh, I was like, uh, okay, I don't know what to tell you, sir. I'll just listen to you rant, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know what to say. And I was kind of surprised as well. I was like, this is doesn't seem that bad to me. It's It feels like a step in the right direction for me. And for some people, I feel like it was a big shock because it's probably the first thing that you could you could physically see. From yeah. the from the culture uh, evolution, I was just wondering if uh, if you had like major problem and how how would you handle it if someone came to you and were like, "This is unacceptable. I won't let this fly," or something like that. Yeah, I think that for a lot of years, how you looked and we looked a certain way was part of the identity. So when all of a sudden, when you tell someone that's no longer part of your identity, that's like that's a significant emotional event for people. And I think we have to acknowledge that that this is going to be hard and allow people the space to be not okay with it. Uh, and then when, you know, again, back to seeing the humanity of folks, like this is going to be hard for people. Uh, and, you know, hair is the first thing, for example, but what's the next thing that's going to, that, that we're going to have a, a hard time with as the, the culture continually uh, evolves. So allowing folks to wrestle with it, uh, but then, you know, having the conversation about, oh, what is it about this that you're not okay with? And, being curious about the reasons why someone has an issue with a particular uh, change in, in policy. Um, and I think it, it, some people may never, may never get there, which again is okay. I think we can, we can make it about, well, how are we going to do, how are we going to achieve trusted to serve? Like, I think that for me, that's given me an, another tool to be able to have a conversation, not that a person is the issue, like the, the this policy is the issue, but this policy is in support of these objectives that we have said are what uh, what the CAF aspires to be. So we can we can talk about that and have the conversation about in, in relation to you know pick an issue as it supports or doesn't support you know the what we espouse to be as a as, a, as an armed force, uh, and not make it necessarily about you know that person's belief. As it can be, you know, it can it can quickly turn confrontational, and that's not that's not helpful uh, no. for change at all. I agree. But, I mean, you know, helping people helping people change change management uh, are going to be skills that we'll all have to continually, you know, keep fresh with or learn. Um, you know, the cultural uh, evolution. Um, yeah, it's just it's we're gonna it, we we don't talk about change management a whole lot in uh in in our in our pd for example it is it is there but it's in certain pockets we need to focus on that more maybe or it's certainly it's certainly a part of it it's part of the part of the tools and the toolkit uh to help you know people have uh, to be, get through you know work through the things they're having a hard time with rcaf jump c big cat and h cat back at you from our commercial break with Lieutenant Colonel Phil Damaris. Okay, sir, so you've been in the jump seat. Welcome to the hot seat. You ready? 
Let's do it. Here we go. Favorite shampoo, go. Herbal essences. Favorite food? Nachos. iPhone or Samsung? iPhone. Favorite Canadian aircraft? Arrow. Best romantic movie? The Proposal. Top Gun 1 or Top Gun 2? 1. Male actor with best hair? Bradley Cooper. Best posting and worst posting? Cold Lake. <laughs> Both? <laughs> <laughs> hot sauce or no hot sauce? Always hot sauce. <laughs> Favorite kind of sushi? Uh, the spider roll. Oh, I thought I had you there for a second. Spider roll. Surf or snowboard? Mm, snowboard. If you had to change army or navy? Well, that's a good one. I like that one. That's a dilemma. Yeah. You got good food on one hand. Oh my gosh. That is a, that's, right? not, that's not a rapid fire question. You, that's a, <laughs> you think it's a joke when they talk about their 10 o'clock soup, but it's incredible. Navy. Yeah. Oh, yeah I'm all about the soup. Sailed for five years. How, how could you go wrong? Yeah. Army. I do sleep under the stars in the Air Force four or five at a time. <laughs> yeah, oh, <exactly>. nice. <laughs> All right. I think HCAT and myself, sir, wish you the very best in the future. I know you're going to kill it in Vandenberg in all the right ways. And I just want to say sincerely, I'm so impressed as I get to see more and more of the senior officers. I think you're one of the good ones. Thanks again for your service. Thanks again for coming, sir. My pleasure. Thank you for being with us today on the RCF Jump Seat. We'd like to hear from you. If you or someone you know has feedback or a story to share, email us at rcafjumpseat at forces.gc.ca. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We'll see you next time in the Jump Seat. RCF Jump Seat Podcast. Copyright is Majesty, the King and Right of Canada, as represented by the Minister of National Defence, 2023.